Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the 425 Show. I'm your host, Nicole Mangina with Windermere Real Estate. Happy Tuesday. I hope you had a fantastic holiday weekend and enjoyed the snow. We were talking about it before the show. It's my perfect favorite type of snowstorm. It just dumps for two days. We got out, we played in the snow, we did all the fun things, and then uh, the rain comes and out we go. Yeah, later. <laughs> we don't have to deal with all that dirty slush. And more than anything, uh, to me at least, driving in the snow is the easy part. It's that icy slushy stuff mm -hmm. that gets a little exciting. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed it. And now we're on to good weather. Today's real estate update got the January stats and um, it's kind of just confirming everything we knew before, which is the market is a little nutty. This was the strongest January we've had in a number of years. 50, or 70% of the listings sold in 50 days or less. Most of those sold in actually less than five days. And we'll have these stats on the full chart on the website after the show so that you can see it, nicolemangina.com forward slash podcast. But it's great. It actually breaks it down by neighborhood because that's always something I think that's good to keep in mind and be aware of. We talk about the market as a whole, but each individual neighborhood reacts differently in any given market. So, you know, you can say there's 15% appreciation. Well, yes. That's the average, but some are 4%, some are five, some are 30%. So whenever you're doing real estate buying or selling, just make sure you've got an agent who really knows the market that you're looking at. Um, something else that's really amazing to look at and really speaks to the strength of the market that's in that chart is, you know, it shows the number of sales January of 2000, uh, January of 2021 versus January of 2020. It shows the average sales price. Uh, both of those are up, but it also shows the average days on market. And in some areas, it's down dramatically. In Sammamish last year in January, the average days on market was 65 days. It was 21 days this year in 2021. So again, that just speaks to how strong the market is and how quickly things are moving. So if you have real estate questions, you're thinking about buying or selling, I encourage you to reach out. I am always happy to answer your questions. You can find me via email, Nicole at NicoleMangina.com. There you go. Now, without further ado, I am super excited to introduce our guest today. We have Anastasia Allison with Kula Cloth on the show. How are you? Hi. I'm great. How are you? I'm awesome. Thanks for being here. Um, yeah. This is such yeah, a cool product and you have such an amazing story. <laughs> <laughs> I am super excited to chat with you today. Well, I'm really excited to be here and there's nothing I love more than like reflecting back on where I've been over the past four years creating this product and um, it's always like sort of cathartic for me to do. So I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> awesome. So I suppose we should start with what is a Kula cloth? So a Kula cloth is the first of its kind. It is an antimicrobial pee cloth mm -hmm. for anybody who squats when they pee. Um, and essentially what it is, is a leave no trace toilet paper option, pee only. I have to make that extremely clear. This <laughs> I is think it's good only. to clarify. <laughs> it's, an anti, it's a special antimicrobial cloth and 
when I first created the product in my mind, I was thinking about hikers and backpackers because that's when I started using a pea cloth was as a leave no trace option while I was out hiking and backpacking. If you are somebody who spends a lot of time outside, especially if you're somebody who squats when you pee, you will understand that there's not really great options for hygiene. There's either packing in and out a bunch of toilet paper, which means packing out a bunch of dirty toilet paper. There is the drip dry method, which is never effective uh, and always leaves you feeling kind of disgusting, especially if you've been out for days at a time. And then even worse, and what really frustrated me initially was going into these beautiful and fragile alpine areas and finding these discarded toilet paper blooms like just littered everywhere. And I read an article about people using a pea cloth and the particular article I read talked about just using like a scrap of fabric or a bandana. And my first thought was, oh, like that is disgusting. <laughs> it's, gross. it's gross. And I but I was a backpacking instructor. I'm a former park ranger. I was teaching a basic women's backpacking class for a nonprofit here in Washington at the time. In fact, I still teach with that nonprofit. And I remember thinking, okay, I have to at least try it. And if I like it, maybe it's something I would recommend to my students. And so I went out and I bought this ugly old scrap of fabric off of Amazon, I think, attached it to my pack, started using it as a pea cloth. And I was stunned to find that this was like a total game changer in the backcountry. I felt cleaner, more comfortable. I wasn't packing in and out a ton of trash, especially on long trips. And so I started recommending to all of my students, like, you have to use a pea cloth. Um, and so that was sort of like the beginning of this crazy adventure for me. Of course, I could never have predicted where it would lead, um, but I started using one and loved it. That's awesome. And I think, like you said, it's one of those, I have to admit, I never thought about this before until you know I found out about your company, but it is, it's a huge, thing. I mean, so you have to go right especially if you're on longer hikes and the whole what do you do and yeah i mean you're in this beautiful area and then there's toilet paper all over the place and that's just kind of gross yeah so and, awesome. and what i've also learned now i mean doing now three plus years into the kula journey is that it's not just for hikers uh last year in march of 2020 when we had the toilet paper rush um, <laughs> i had a product that was reusable toilet paper um for pee only again i might add but people were using their coolas at home and people use them on sailboats, they use them on RVs, they, in RVs, they use them horseback riding or river rafting. Um, There's some people that just use them now in general, anywhere they go, just to cut down on, on paper waste. And so while I sort of started the company with this very narrow-minded idea of who it could apply for, right? Because I was thinking of myself and what I did. Uh, it's been really neat to watch it grow and expand into other 
arenas as well and how it's helping people of all kinds be more comfortable when they're out there pursuing the things that they really enjoy in their life. And to me, that's really exciting. That's awesome. And they're COVID approved activities. So they're things we can keep doing. <laughs> they are, yes. And I, you know, if, if Kula can make somebody's life more comfortable while they are outside connecting with themselves and with the planet, to me, that's sort of what this is all about. It's, yes, it's a cool piece of gear, but quite honestly, somebody could just go buy a bandana, right? Um, and what makes Kula special is that it's intentional and we put a lot of love and care into the product itself. And that has been just a beautiful experience to watch it grow from me using a pea cloth to sort of having an idea that maybe I could design one and um, to where it is now. I love it. And you have, you've put a tremendous amount of intention into them to make them, like you said, antimicrobial. You have the reflective thing so that you can find them at night. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you have a whole artist series. I've, I think it's great. Like you made it serviceable, but anytime somebody makes it fun as well as serviceable, I think that's cool. Yeah. And, you know, it was on a trip in the Wind River Range in Wyoming when I had the idea to actually do this in general. I was using this ugly old scrap of fabric that I had mentioned. And as a joke, I thought I'm going to take a series of photographs of this pea cloth in all these dramatic, beautiful locations at sunset. And I'm going to put these all into note card form and give it to a friend as a joke. This is like what my plan was. I don't know what that says about me as a friend, <laughs> but that was sort of some, that was what I was doing. And so I was, my husband and I, we were on this nine day, really challenging trip in the Wind River Range. And I had my trekking pole stuck in the ground and I set this ugly scrap of fabric up on it and it's right at sunset. I mean, it was just so beautiful. And I'm taking this photograph and it literally felt like an idea was just sort of given to me, like it appeared in my head at that moment. And it was just this idea, why isn't that a real piece of gear? And I sort of sat there and like, cause it was just so shocking to me. Like it almost felt like this idea didn't even come from me. Um, and I thought to myself, well, I wonder if I could design one as a real piece of gear, like what would I want it to look like or be like? And, and then of course, all those limiting beliefs that we're all so familiar with immediately swooped in and they're like, well, you don't know how to sew and you have a full-time job and how are you going to afford this? And why would anybody ever use your, your product? People could just use a bandana. And I sort of talked myself out of it before I even gave it a chance. Um, I had so many of these limiting beliefs that were very unconscious. Like I didn't even realize that I was thinking them. And so I didn't have any distance from them whatsoever. I believed them instantly and that was it. It was a dumb idea. I went home from that trip and I did a little bit of research on fabric, but saw some price tags and was like, nope, can't do it. <laughs> uh, convinced myself out of it immediately. And uh, 
I was actually a railroad police officer at the time. So I had, I had been a, a park ranger. I was laid off from my park ranger job in 2012. And I became a railroad police officer here in the Seattle area working for BNSF Railway. And I had been doing that for about five years and was sort of in what I would say is a rut. And I would kind of find myself in these cycles over and over again. And I'm sure that other people will uh, probably commiserate with this, but it was, you know, I'd get a job and things would be good for a couple of years. And then I'd start focusing on what I didn't want about the job. And then I would kind of go in this downward spiral and think, okay, well, the job is the problem. And so I need to change the job and then things are gonna get better for me. And not realizing the whole time that wherever I went, there I was. <laughs> like the one constant in all of my life situations is always me. <laughs> yeah. It's not the job. Um, and so I was looking at like, okay, I'm not happy doing this police job anymore. I just couldn't see myself patrolling railroad tracks for the rest of my life. Um, and I had always wanted to do something in the outdoor industry. I was a very creative, adventurous kid. And I kind of looked at these people who were doing really cool outdoor jobs. And I thought that they must have gotten really lucky. Like they got some secret lucky code that I did not get. And I was just stuck where I was in life. And I couldn't see how it was po even possible to get out. And I didn't realize that essentially by believing that it wasn't possible, it wasn't. And in January of 2017, my mom and my husband and I, we went on a snowshoeing trip up by Stevens Pass. We were on our way home. I was driving our truck and the truck spun out on some black ice. It was a perfectly clear day. I don't recall seeing any ice or anything on the road, but the truck spun out on some black ice and spun across the highway into the oncoming traffic, into the path of a semi-truck. Oh. And obviously there's a really happy ending to that story because here I am. Um, but what I realized in that moment is as we were sort of careening across highway two, I was not afraid. I was, it sort of felt slow motion and very surreal. Like, is this really happening to me? And this sense of disbelief, but I wasn't, there was no fear. And after that incident happened and after, I don't know, maybe a good two to three weeks of crying about it, I kind of looked at the rest of my life and saw all these moments where I was too afraid to actually do anything. Like I would talk myself out of something before I even had a chance to do it because I was so afraid of all these imaginary what ifs in my head. And I just remember thinking, if I'm not afraid when I'm spinning across Stevens Pass into the front of a truck, is it possible that all of this fear in my head about these imaginary things that could go wrong, is it possible that I'm just making it up in my mind? And I decided that the answer to that was yes, that I was making it up and that I just needed to start being open to the possibilities. So I started a meditation practice 
I started practicing gratitude every day. I started writing appreciation letters to people who had had an impact on my life. I started driving around my police car and like buying random coffees for people. Like literally I just, I went from this sort of like rock bottom, like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life to suddenly it was like this fast lane trajectory to like, oh my gosh, everything's possible. And I just didn't know. (laughs) Um, And it was really exciting because as soon as I started focusing on changing myself and not my life situation, my life situation started to change. Mm -hmm. Like I started changing the energy of me and my world started to reflect that and opportunities and ideas started to flow. And I started an online hiking group and I got asked to test gear by Backpacker Magazine. Like literally all this stuff just started to happen. It was wild. And um, I was happy at work. I was driving around in my, in my cop car, like patrolling railroad tracks and like listening to all these um like motivational books (laughs) like it was just oh it was I feel like people you know if you saw me driving around in this gigantic black and white police Tahoe and I'm a very small in stature uh woman like you probably would have thought I was like listening to this hardcore stuff but I was probably like listening to Tony Robbins (laughs) like (laughs) telling me that everything is possible um And I remember I would drive around in the car and I would say to myself, I don't know what is coming, but I can feel it. And I'm really excited about it. And I know that I'm doing something in the outdoor industry and I don't know what it is, but I'm just open to the possibilities. And as, as I kept feeling that energy, ideas kept coming and this idea for this pea cloth came back to me so I had shut it down in 2016 and now it's 2017 a year later and this time I'm not quite as fearful and so I start buying fabric I realize quite uh shockingly that yeah I might not know how to sew but I do know how to make a phone call I don't know why that wasn't like obvious to me before (laughs) like duh just go call somebody who knows how to sew um and so I I called a friend and she showed me how to sew a straight line and I started buying all this fabric and asking people like if I design this product like what would you want it to look like and what would what would you what kind of features would you want and I was pretty obsessed with it um and I actually for anybody who's actually watching on the Facebook live I have the the first Kula that I ever attempted to sew as a prop here and to describe it it's essentially a combination of shapes it wouldn't be one shape in particular it's just sort of a conglomeration of shapes and uh it's just hideous it looks like a a some it looks like the sewing machine just went bad and and somebody was like really intoxicated while they were using a, a broken sewing. 
that's what it looks like. Uh, but this was my first attempt at sewing a square. And I just would sit in my guest room and practice sewing squares for hours and hours until I got good enough that I could sew a square. And then I started giving them out to friends to test and getting feedback. And I started like trying to figure out, okay, what is the strap going to be? Like, how long does this need to be? And so every little thing was measured out in paper, you know, and, and I had to, to design every, every tiny little thing had some sort of a decision. And I, in July of 2017, I finally left my job as a police officer with BNSF um, with no real source of income whatsoever, but I was scared not to do it. And I thought to myself that if I just keep sort of putting my toe in the water and like, am I the one preventing myself from being successful by not fully believing in myself that I can do this? And so I left my job and uh, really just sort of put my heart into developing the product and creating it. And um, I believe that after, there were so many things I did not know how to do when I started this. I mean, just to give you an idea, I, I do not make the coolas myself. Um, they're sewed by production, two different production teams. One's in Pennsylvania, one's in Colorado. And I knew from the beginning, like, I don't have the skill. I don't have the facility or the machinery. Like, I don't want to own a hundred sewing machines. And so I always knew I was going to use a contract um, cut and sew facility. I did not know what a contract cut and sew facility was, however. So I was Googling things like, how do you find somebody who makes things for you? Because I didn't like... I didn't even know the word. Right, the right cuttings. lingo. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know the lingo. And that's like half the battle is like, you're you're trying to speak a language that you don't know yet. And the most wonderful thing about Kula for me is that I was able to move forward without knowing any answers. But I feel that it's that vision and the belief that something's possible that guides you to the answers and to the right people at the right time, as opposed to the alternative, which was what I did for most of my life is, well, if I don't have a perfect plan, I should just do nothing. That's like this analysis paralysis where we just right. don't do anything because we don't know all the answers. And I think it's Steve Jobs who said, you can never connect the dots forward. You can only connect them backwards. And I love that quote so much because I could never have like perfectly planned how everything uh, worked out with Kula. And yet I look at it now and just the perfection of like the right people at the right time and the right information and everything just like coming together. Uh, it's been so fun to allow that to happen without trying to force it and like get in the way. So that's, that's okay. like the very long story of how, how Kula came to be. So it is, 
it was quite the odyssey, I will say. <laughs> for, for like, for what it is, you know, when you just look at it, you're like, well, that's a square of fabric. How, how hard could that have been? And um, yeah, the, the night's crying on the couch. Um. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I feel this is such a perfect show. Oh my goodness. I feel, well, you're, you're just amazing. Um, oh, on so many you. levels. I, I feel like in the show, we've gotten to know you again. We're talking with Anastasia Allison of Kula cloth and is it coolacloth.com If people want to check it out. Yeah. Perfect. We will obviously have the link on our site as well. After the show, nicolemangina.com forward slash podcast, but I feel like we found out about this amazing product, which Kula Cloth is super amazing the way you put it together. And like you said, there's so much thought that went into it. But I also feel like you've given us a master uh, class on um, the entrepreneurial journey and, you know, how to tame your inner critic. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Because I, well, I don't think, I know you're right. Everything you've described, I, it plays out differently for everybody, but we all have those yeah. moments of, you know, this is a great, you know, we were talking about this before the show. We've, I've almost had this radio show for three years now. And, but at the beginning I thought, wow, I think it's a good idea. I think it's an amazing idea. Oh, maybe it's a terrible idea. <laughs> you know, and that whole up and yeah. down part of it. It is. So. Yeah. I've had, so, you know, when you like leave an $80,000 a year job to create a, a piece of fabric that absorbs pee, like there are some natural doubts that come along with that. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's, it's so amazing. Look at what you've turned it in a, well, look at what you've turned it into. And like I said, it's just a perfect example of just following those nudges or insight, you know, whatever they are at various points to get you there. And um, we're kind of getting to the end of the show. So we don't have a whole lot of time to dive into it. But I would so encourage all of you to go to coolacloth.com. First of all, if you squat to pee, you're probably going to need one of these if you're going to do any hiking this summer. But you have your whole academy, you've got great classes on there. So many great things at coolacloth.com that I just think everybody should hop on and check it out. Thank you so much. It's just yeah. been truly a joy and a pleasure on many, many levels. For sure. Well, thank you for joining us today. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you, to share your story, to share what you have going on with Kula Cloth. Again, coolacloth.com. Go on and check it out. And as always, if you have real estate questions, you can find me, Nicole, at NicoleMangina.com. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you next Tuesday.